Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome into another episode of Unanchored Boston with Bob Lobel. I'm Mike Lynch, and as always, Unanchored Boston is brought to you by Cold Springs RV, your destination for all things in where? All things camping in where? New Hampshire, of course, and the great George Gray at George Gray's Lexington Toyota 409 Mass Ave in Lexington. We've got one of the greats with us right now, the great Ted Johnson, and as always, Bob Lobel handles the intro, so Bob, take it away. Mm-hmm. Number 52 standing uh, in as the linebacker. What is that painting behind you? That is fascinating. Yeah, really. That's a that's a, a photograph uh, by a very, very, very famous photographer by the name of Peter Lick, L-I-K. If you ever get a chance to get to his studios, uh, he has a few in the country. They're phenomenal. Beautiful, beautiful paint, pictures. Uh, he's a photographer, though. And so this one's called Ghost. And it was, I can see why. Why is that? Why is it? It's, what is a, it a picture of? What, what's the photo? So it's uh, it, there's a lake that connects four states out west, uh, Lake Powell. Uh, it's it connects uh, New New uh, New Mexico, California, uh, Utah, Arizona, and Lake Powell's a gorgeous lake. And at the, in this lake, there's a bunch of caves that look just like this. And this is a picture from one of those caves in Lake Powell. If you ever get a chance to go visit that area, wow. I, I recommend it. But yeah, Peter Lake, look him up. He's phenomenal, phenomenal photographer. You'll love, his, uh, you'll love his pictures, bud. Okay, well, I'm glad I asked because you I learned so much on this show, Ted. You know, everyone you... thinks it's just a, it's a football show or a sports show. We're, yeah. we're, we're into everything on this show. That's what Lobel and I are all about. No doubt. Um, oh, yeah, and especially because, you know, it's that time of year again. The Bruins are on their way to defending the President's Cup. And, uh, you know, they're off to a great start. The Celtics are un- unbeatable. Uh, yeah, in preseason. Is baseball still play? Is anybody playing baseball these days? Not, not around here, Bob. They are in other parts of the country. So that means if they're not playing around here, they're not playing anywhere. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, welcome to us. Welcome to New England. That's right. And football is, well... Football is football with Vegas, Buffalo, and Miami coming up for the next three weeks. How's that look for you, Ted? Pretty daunting. Pretty uh, daunting, Bob. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's not looking good right now. And uh, I see that panic button over your, over huh. your right shoulder, and I want to I want to hit that thing because it's it's time it's time to hit that. It's it's about as bad as it's been around here for a long time. And I think what is the most discouraging part about the the Patriots. You know, story so far is just I don't you know I don't know how you how you uh, get this thing going in the right direction. There's not a lot to to be hopeful about, and I think that's the most discouraging thing, you guys, is that you're just not seeing any real signs alive for anything to really uh, get get hopeful about with uh, with this football team. Well, you're gonna have you got Garoppolo and Jacoby Myers coming up this weekend, so that would be you know why can't we get players like that immediately? You know how many times I said. <laughs> Watching the watching the Monday night game with the uh, with the Raiders when I, when Jacoby's making play. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, uh, Bob, it was, uh, say mine. I was I couldn't I couldn't help saying that to my girlfriend who was watching with me. How come we can't get players like that? And that's I think you know I think the Jacoby Myers and it, you know even Jimmy Garoppolo. It's kind of an intriguing uh, side story that's not a lot of people are talking about. Is that Jimmy Garoppolo could be on this team right now? He was a free agent this year. And uh, we all know that the, the Bill Belichick at least allegedly loved this guy. And so he had a chance to get him, didn't do it. But nonetheless, we'll put that to the side. But Jacoby Myers just represented so much of what I, I think it was was cool about 
you know, this team for so long is that if you, if you worked hard and you, you know, you, you, you pay your dues and you keep your mouth shut that you, you get rewarded. And Jacoby wasn't, I mean, and there's different theories on why he wasn't, um, but he was a hell of a football player for this team and a guy that you would want on your team. He, uh, you know, just the way he worked his way up from being an undrafted, you know, uh, free agent as a rookie, played quarterback in college, turned himself into a wide receiver and a damn good wide receiver. And he led the team in receptions the three years preceding this year, led the team in first down receptions the three years preceding this year. And yet, you know, honestly, uh, there's different, there's mixed reports, but I don't think he even got even close to a serious offer. It's disheartening. Yeah, I mean, just it really, those are the guys that you want to keep around. And for whatever reason, my guess is, if I had to guess, it was because uh, Jacoby was a little bit too outspoken for Bill Belichick's taste. And, and my guess is, too, the offer that uh, it was made to him for a contract was probably very, very insulting. And so there really was, you know, uh, really no uh, no real, you know, obvious explanation for it. But my guess is it probably has something to do behind the scenes and probably a petty reason that he's not here. And that's unfortunate because they need players like uh, Jacoby Myers. So Bill has always been like this, and you can get away with those things when you're winning, but you can't get away with them when you're losing, and especially when you're struggling like they am now. So is Bill's personal feelings finally coming back to haunt him? Guys like Malcolm Butler, um, you, you could name it a dozen more than we could name. You, you know, absolutely, Mike. And I, I think I think that's the really – it's a fascinating story. It's been four years since Brady's left, but I, I, I was always – you know, when I moved back into the market, you know, about six years ago, and I – you know, I, I was I was critical of Bill even when times were good because of these types of decisions. But it it, it really wasn't showing in the wins and loss column, right? But now it is. And when you when you let Tom Brady go, it really exposed a lot of the inner workings, the philosophies, the ideologies, the methodologies that whatever you want to call it that Bill had and the way he thought was really going to be on display and exposed for all of us to see more clearly. Uh, because, uh, because, you know, to no surprise to me, I'll be honest, the, the losing started happening. And so it makes all of us look a little bit deeper into what, what's going on here with this operation. And that was, I was, I was just surprised. I just think, you know, Bill's, you know, we all know he's, he's not, he doesn't lack confidence and, and call, I call it hubris. Um, that was eventually going to maybe bite him in the butt when he, when he let Tom Brady walk, it was really, his his methods were going to be on display, and I think you can see that they, you know, they're they're not working right now. And you're and you're right, Mike. I mean, they they're always been there. There's always been these types of uh, kind of stories to talk about, but they never got really addressed because winning, you were winning, and now that you're not, it's it's kind of uh, amazing how it's turned a little bit right now. A lot of the and Bill, we trust people. You don't hear from those people as much anymore these days. Let me ask you this, since just the three of us are talking, okay? Yeah, just us three girls here. Just Go ahead. The three of us are talking. <laughs> what happened in the Malcolm Butler situation? Yeah, I, I've I've asked, and I and I swear, you know, a lot of people you hear different things. Um, you, you know, hear different things. It, you know, it, I mean, the the, the 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 one the you know the couple of the stories you hear is that Malcolm you know was was sick and didn't relay the message to Bill. Uh, and that there was confusion on, on 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 whether he could practice or not, and then, you know, then you heard you know, maybe it's a more personal thing that uh, something 
something with Malcolm and, you know, and, and, and maybe uh, one of his, his sons on the coaching staff had an issue. And so that was uh, the reason why my, you know, whatever the reason is, it wasn't good enough to sit the kid uh, for the most important game of the season. And, and that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's a, that's a decision, Bob. And that's something that, you know, you bring up that will always, in my opinion, haunt Bill Belichick. I mean, it would have haunted him even more if he didn't go around, you know, go back the next year and win the whole thing. Um, but that decision is to sit Malcolm, I think is a, is a, just a great example of how Bill thinks. Um, and he, he's always made decisions like that. Um, it just, but in the biggest game, in the biggest moment, when it was clear that uh, you needed uh, Malcolm Butler's services out there, um, it was a huge, huge story, and rightfully so. Uh, Mike, that didn't, you know, Mike, Malcolm Butler didn't deserve to have to to sit there and watch that game when he was one of the better players on that defense. But it's those types of decisions that he's been making more and more recently. That uh, it, it's it's. It's amazing to me how people will say, you know, his, when Tom Brady left, a lot of people would have argued around here that his legacy was cemented, that really Bill Belichick's, you know, legacy was intact and it wasn't going to get uh, tarnished. And it was it's no matter what happened after Tom left, it would still be the same. And that's not the case at all. I mean, it's clearly um, when Tom left, there is now a debate on really how good of a coach Bill Belichick is. Mike. And Ted, both of you guys are football guys. And uh, so you can appreciate coaching uh, tactics. Belichick, I think, operates from the fear, the basis of fear. He's a, he's a, he's a fear-based coach. Correct. You do things, you're motivated by fear. Well, this is a new day and age. And you called it hubris. It's To me, it's cachet. The way he treats the press and the press conferences, that's old. People no longer have to sit and listen to his bullshit. Right. They can, you know, somebody's going to talk back to him one of these days and say, Bill, you're not as smart as you think you are. You're right. not as smart as you as everybody thought you were. Mm-hmm. You know, you started believing your own press clippings and you made a lot of money here, but you're damaging your reputation, Bill. Your reputation is in danger of going down the drain. As so many people, you know, as so many successful people are, you know, they get to a level of success and then all of a sudden, see you later. Yep. Well, I, it's almost like he's reached his limit. You, Lynch, do you agree with this? I, I agree. I mean, people, people would, would, they had to, they had no choice. They had to roll with it when they were winning. But now that they're not winning, not just one year, but two years, three years, four years, people are saying, hey, enough of this crap. I don't have to sit here and take this crap anymore. Right. Yes. It's true. The the, the worms turn for sure, and and it is and the Q rating I think for Bill is is lower than it's ever been, um, and and I, you know what it is too, Bob and Mike is there's there's just there's enough evidence. It's not like, you know, it's all, it's not like uh, it's been trending this way just recently. It's I mean this has been you know year after year after year you've seen enough evidence to kind of indicate really truly you know what what kind of person Bill Belichick is in the good times and the bad, and so. It's uh, I feel like collectively in the you know, Patriot fans are at that point where it's 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 tiresome. Right. I mean, there's a few Bill supporters out there and a lot of people want to just kind of go oh, take his power away for as a general manager. But he's still a great coach. 
you're going to have to work hard to convince me that he's still a great coach. He At one time, yes, he was a phenomenal coach. He was a forward-thinking, uh, you know, progressive, uh, at least when it came from on the defensive side, type of coach. But that's that was a long time ago, um, and, and so it, it's it's a different it's different time now. The way he relates to players now, Bob, you're right. He can't he can't connect with the players like he used to. His schemes, his game planning, um, it doesn't resonate as much anymore because a lot of what made separated him as a great defensive mind, everyone's doing now. So it's there's nothing new and innovative now, at least on that side of the ball. And then you see his philosophies on offense, how outdated they are. Let's. Let's have a ball control offense, run the football, um, and, 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 and slow the game down and have, you know, a good situational defense. You know, that worked in, in 2000, in 2001, in 2003, and 2004. It doesn't work now. And he, he, doesn't, he, he doesn't seem to understand that. And it's amazing to me that you, you mentioned just his, his behaviors uh, in, with the press. You would think that he would – he has the ability to be. He needs, he needs friends. You know, it's sad. It's really sad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, he needs friends to be honest with him too, and tell him, hey, you know, you, you do. I mean, the, the word is all. It's always been that his close friends get get. Uh, they love the fact that he has this antagonistic relationship with the uh, with the media, and that they they basically think it's uh, a, a funny side to his personality, and that they they kind of let him know that, and so he. I don't know if anybody in his inner circle is telling him, "Hey, hey, man, this is this is a, this is playing really poorly to to the mat. It's not you're not helping yourself by acting this way." But you know, it, it's uh, if he's if he's not going to do it now, he's probably never going to do it. And so this is what it what it is with Bill. But he has the ability. I think if he just decides to change and, and at least. Uh, give more effort to try and connect with people. I think he could maybe perhaps turn this thing around a little bit, but it's uh, he's a stubborn guy, and I, I don't know if I see that happening. Let me ask you about Ernie Adams. Could Ernie Adams be the guy that could talk to him, a guy that he would listen to? He's been gone now three years, I think it is. Um, and obviously, you know, every time, from my knowledge of my time around there, Bill was in the headset, wasn't talking to the offensive defensive coordinators. Everything was to Ernie. Ernie, what do we got? Ernie, what do we got? Ernie, should we go for it? Ernie, what do we got? Yep. And he's gone now. And that's that's a pretty valuable lifeline that he had. Huge. It's huge. I mean, I, I've heard I've heard Belichick just I, I've heard him yell on the sideline into his head on everybody shut the F up. Let Ernie talk. Like, I mean, I've heard it just standing next to him on, on the sideline. So when it came to critical decisions. Do I go for it here on fourth down? What do we do here? It, it, uh, what kind of play? It was Ernie. And that's a huge, huge kind of uh, crutch, if you will, or but you know, or just a huge resource that Bill used to have that he doesn't have anymore. Um, and so I think that's – I mean, I just think overall, just using Ernie as an example, there's a lot of good quality coaching, advisors, front office people that have left in in recent years and that really helped prop bill up and you know uh, a lot of those guys are gone ernie retired because he was uh you know just it was the time for him to retire but a lot of other good quality you know uh front office and coaches left because of bill's nature and how he 
does contracts, how he doesn't pay his assistants, how he doesn't give them titles, how he doesn't advance them up through the ranks. And so you're left with maybe a coaching staff in a front office that isn't maybe up to the task either, mostly in part because of Bill and, and uh, how he, how he uh, treats people. Not about to catch Shula. I'll tell you what, all of a sudden that, that goal seems to be so far away, you can't possibly even consider that. When it seemed to be so close uh, a year or two ago, you know, now it just seems almost impossible. It, it does. And what a what a what a thing, just like this thing just sitting out there, just kind of hanging over the heads of mm. of not only Bill, but but even Robert Kraft, right, guys? Yeah. I mean, because I think that that uh, you know, Robert Kraft, you know, uh, I think he wants to attach himself to those types of you know, uh, you know, records and moments, if you will. Um, and so I think Robert Kraft sees it almost as a Patriots accomplishment, just as much as a individual Bill Belichick accomplishment. So my guess is that, you know, he wants it just as bad as Bill. Ooh, but it's, if you're going to, if that's what you're chasing, good luck with that, because I'm not sure the fan base has the patience to. Uh, well, he might get it, but it might not be here. It, it, <laughs> and well, that's another fascinating thing, Bob, because I, I'll, 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 I, I mean, I have thoughts on that. I just can't imagine him going somewhere else at this point and, and trying to start all over. People will say, yeah, there's teams that are going to be interested in maybe giving him a, a shot at it. Okay. I just don't – I can't see Bill. Bill's got – Bill has worked hard to basically have his fingerprints on everything within that organization. I mean, everything is set up with his friends, with his sons, with his people. If you're a Bill guy, you are working there, you're – so he's got this whole infrastructure of, of support of, of his people. That's that's hard to kind of pick up and move somewhere else. I just think, and with he he doesn't want to move from away from this area. So that's a fascinating kind of thing. I think if it doesn't happen here, I can't imagine it happening anywhere else. But even if it did happen here, what would it look like? I mean, was is it going to be two two years from now, and you kind think. of just stumble across it um, with with little to no fanfare? That's going to go off real good. So that thing, that Shula record hanging out there, it is. It might be just one of those albatrosses that Kraft is really struggling with because he he really wants Bill to get to that uh, point, but it it's it's not going to be pretty getting there. And it might take more than just this year and next year. It looks like it could take longer than that. And I'm not sure people have the stomach to to see this thing. Hell, some people don't have the stomach to see it. Uh, you know, go through to this Sunday let alone three years from now. Well, wait in three weeks and see what it looks like. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine. You look in three weeks and you're, you know, you're, you're basically saying, which is not far off, Bob, is that, you know, you lose to Las Vegas and then you got Miami and Buffalo. I mean, oh my goodness. One in, one in seven is on the table. And that's, I'll be honest, guys. I didn't see that. I saw, uh, I saw an eight win team. I, I really did. I did not think the floor would fall out like it has. Two beatdowns, historic beatdowns, back to back, the last two weeks, um, really has you thinking that a, you know, a, a, a five win, a four win season is on the table. And I never would have guessed that a losing season, an, you know, a, a little below five hundred season, definitely on the table. You go one and seven. Clearly, you go one and five. I think the 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 
just the emotional bandwidth for this team collectively is at an all-time low. And I don't know how you pull yourself out because they don't have the they don't have the dogs that uh, you know that they used to have back in the day when we started 0-2 in 2001. We had the dogs, we had players, man. We had great players when we started 0-2 in 2001. So we were able to pull ourselves out of that. And you know, um, and and I, I was 0-2 in 1996 when we went on to to go to the Super Bowl. We lost to Green Bay, but we had guys that could overcome those losses because we had players. They don't have the players, and I don't think more importantly, the absolute most important thing is they do not have buy-in. I don't think these guys believe in Coach Belichick. And buy-in, that's, that's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool, cool way of saying things that he's lost the team. Let me ask, let me ask you this, Ted. If you, if you were a linebacker, actually, did you was that a question, Bob? Has he lost the team? No, I was just making it. I was just reaffirming what Ted said about buy-in. All right, so, so, so stay with that. My, my question is not, not as important as, 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 as what you have to say. Go ahead, Ted. Oh, the buy-in, I think, you know, I think, I mean, I, I they're not buying what he's selling. I mean, uh, Loby's absolutely right, it, it, it's, and it's clear. It's, it's You can see it. You can feel it. I'm a big body language guy. I watch these guys. I can just tell that uh, you, you can question their, you know, people, you know, you got to be tricky about questioning guys' effort, but I, I don't look like – it doesn't look like to me that they are playing together, that they are pulling in the same direction, um, that they are buying in um, to what Bill is selling. And that's the that's the whole thing. If you're going to deal with Bill Belichick, the curmudgeon, the antisocial, the guy who lacks the interpersonal uh, the relationship skills, you better win. And you better tell me how we're going to win and map it out and game plan it and scout and then and then uh, and then go out and execute it on the game and make good in-game decisions and all these things that got us to buy in early in his tenure here we bought in to what bill was selling because he saw the game in a way that no coach i'd ever been around had seen it and so we we're like we'll deal with the you know bill the person if bill the coach is getting us prepared and making us uh, play at our best, and then when the game comes, making good decisions that help us win football games, we'll take Bill, the, the person. Right now, his coaching is not is not good enough uh, right now to overcome, you know, how he is from an inter- interpersonal uh, you know, relationship standpoint. And so the buy-in clearly to me looks like it's not there. And if you're not buying what Bill's selling, this is what it looks like, you guys. You know, um, speaking of body language, one image from that game stood out to me was when Mac was on the bench, but in the forefront, Bill O'Brien and Bill Belichick were standing talking to each other, and they looked like they were at the end of their rope, and that, that you know, if you could put little captions over their heads, you could say, what the F are we supposed to do now? Holy crap. And to me, that kind of that image right there kind of said it all. Don't you guys think it feels like, and I even think that that Belichick's comments you know, post game about starting over, it's like he used that term, and it's been a term that we've been talking about all week is they're starting over. I just, it felt like he didn't know what else to say. Like right. he was just trying to get through, uh, we're going to start over. Right. Well, what does that mean? Right. I, I don't really know. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. Right? I totally agree. 
and and so and, and, and what you're saying there, Mike, is that 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 description on the sideline. I see more and more kind of behaviors like that you're talking about, and then his things he says in some of these press conferences. I don't think he knows what to do, and for Bill Belichick, he's had an answer for everything, everything. And it's only he doesn't have an answer to anything uh, that is going on right now from a defensive standpoint, from an offensive standpoint. His precious, you know, special teams unit is dead last in DVOA in the NFL. Um, and he, he doesn't have the buy in. He doesn't have the leadership. He doesn't have the, you know, uh, you know, the, the, at least a stable quarterback play. So it looks to me. It sounds like to me that he doesn't know what to do. And I just think that's kind of fascinating to watch because never, ever have I seen him look so lost for answers than he is right now. Well, that's the sad thing because we talk about interpersonal relationships. He is capable of interpersonal. He is very, we know that. We know he's capable. Everybody says, well, he's got that other side. John Bon Jovi is a perfect example. He's got that whole other side. Interpersonal, and that's the sad thing uh, that he he could do it if he wanted to. But I want to ask you this question, Lynching, and I'm asking you as well. What do you think Belichick would say if he were watching this now? Which we know he's not. But uh, but what if he oh, listen? What if he listened to this? Out there. <laughs> what if he listened? But what if he listened to this and heard us talking about this? What do you think his reaction would be? <laughs> show, no, me the, no, show me that right, right, right. <laughs> that's i mean that's that's what it would be i think i think i think uh you know mike's right like what do we know and you know and it, it's it's bill's let's face it you know he's you know you'd be a coach your whole life you kind of it's gonna stunt your emotional growth a little bit like he's he, you know he's kind of petty and he's vindictive and he's that's the way he is. it's hard for him to cr critically, uh, you know, kind of look inward, I think. And that's that's uh, and that's just kind of who he is. But 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 to Lobie's point, you know, it's he he can choose to be a good guy when once when he you know, I've had interactions with him where him and I were I mean, it was F you and you know, and I basically challenged him to cut me. And I, I, I told him to. Uh, and I said, you know, Bill, this isn't working out. You, you, we got to do something here. And he couldn't because of restraints put on him by the, the owner. He, the owner didn't want me to go. So I wasn't going. So he had to figure it out with me. So the point is he had to eventually in 2002, when we started off on a really bad foot in the summer of 2002, by the middle of the season, he comes up to me and he, he basically, uh, it, it leaves himself vulnerable, and he says, "Ted, we got to work, talk this out. We got to figure this out. Look, I thought you had a good game. I, you know, I need you on board. What are we gonna do?" And it was the most human I've ever seen him. Like he just showed a side to himself that he had never shown to me. And I said, "I told, I said to him right there because he did that in the weight room. I'll never forget. He walks in, he sees me, he knows that him and I uh, we're not we're not doing good, and I was." emotionally not invested in that team for a certain period of time there to start the O2 season. He comes up, he says these things to me. I said, Bill, you're not going to have a problem with me ever again. And I played two and a half more years. I was a captain the following year. And so he got me back on board 
just by using some words of affirmation, by being human, by deciding to connect with me and not having his wall up. And that allowed us to go on and have a successful uh, you know, relationship for the for the last two years of my uh, of my career. So he has it in him uh, to Bob's point. If he wants to, he's choosing not to when particularly when it comes to Mac and you can go back and I, you can reference what happened this the, in the uh, in the season last year, which was reported at the end of last year, which was a phenomenal, phenomenal story to me that probably is what fractured the relationship to a point in which Bill cannot ever forgive the kid for doing this, is my opinion. And it's been it's, there's just some reports about maybe this incident being the reason Bill is having a hard time working with Mac, and that is that Mac went and sought advice to the Alabama coaches last year. That he was having issues with the offense, clearly with uh, with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge running the offense, and he needed help. And so he cons- consulted with his former college coaches to get their input. And then Bill finds out about that. In my opinion, dead. That's you. You're going around. You're going behind my back to ask college coaches how to help this operation. Um, that story, when that story broke, I said, that's the end of the Mac and Bill Belichick's uh, uh, kind of story right there. That's what I think is really holding Bill back from really, he just can't find it in him to bury the hatchet. What happened in the past, make it something that's, uh, you know, won't affect their, you know, the relationship in the present and in the future. I think that's kind of, is what's uh, gnawing at Bill, and he can't get over that. You know what? Uh, this is like a psychological study. You're trying to take this guy apart. Say, yep. okay, he's an only child, son of a coach. Both okay. you guys. I mean, you're in a football family. You know how important coaches were as a father relationship in your families. You know how – you know that it's a whole psychological profile, and I, and – I know his relationship with Steve, his father was really close. Just there's just a lot of stuff, you know, and you just kind of kind of peel away the onion mm-hmm. and, and try to take a look at it. But to me, it's fascinating. I I, yep. I need to just pay a few bills here, but I have a very big question for you, Ted. Okay, guys, right after this, right after this uh, reminder for, for campers. Did you ever do any camping, Ted? Well, not a big camper. No, no I'm. Uh, I was raised by a single mom. Give me, I like five star hotels. I'm not. Okay, walking. that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm. You know, <laughs> I go back and forth when I don't can't. You know, when I can't afford a five star hotel, I get a camper. I got you. All right, the new twenty four twenty fours are in. Cold Springs RV has next year's twenty twenty four models. Right now, they're arriving daily. Go check out the latest and pop-ups. You know, you got to get there now while the fall is still in full bloom because, you know, when December and January come, you're not going to want to go there. So now's the time to go. Check it out. Travel trailers, fifth-wheelers, and motorhomes. Tell them Loby and Lynchy uh, sent you. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. It would help us out a lot. Cold Springs RV, the doors are always open, and you can freely browse, go around, check the latest in camping gear. You might like it, Ted. You really might like it. Get to Cold Springs RV, your destination for all things camping, or learn more online, coldspringsrv.com. 
That's in Ware, New Hampshire, which is in uh, just west of Manchester, north of Haverhill, coldspringsrv.com. And now the question of the week uh, from Mike Lynch. This is one of our favorite parts of the show, actually. Okay, well, you remember John Madden uh, uh, wouldn't fly, so they had a Madden cruiser. We're trying to get Cold Springs RV to build a Lobby cruiser to have him drive, you know, drive around. Yeah. So um, we're going to, uh, when it's finally built, we're going to uh, lend the Lobby cruiser to our guests. So, Ted Johnson, um, we would lend you the Lobby cruiser to drive cross country from here to California, but you have to take one person, uh, living, dead, Sports figure, historical figure, whatever, anybody you want to ride shotgun with you all the way across country. A guy you think you could have a fascinating conversation with, get some answers before. Who would it be? Who would be riding shotgun with you across country? Oh, man. Oh, great. <laughs> great question. Um, who would I? Oh, boy. All right. I know it wouldn't be Belichick because he'd be throwing you out the window at the yeah. first. Yeah. No, I. You know that's uh, that is boy that's a that's a good question. Um, uh, you know I'm I'm always fascinated. I, you know what I have a weird kind of uh, thing. I've always wanted to be an actor. I can't act for for anything, but so I'm always fascinated with, with actors um, in that world. And and and, and you know it, it's he's 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 a Texan, um, and I'm I, I'm a kind of a Texan. Uh, you know and and. and my heart of hearts is where my dad resides. I spent most of my childhood uh, growing up. It, this might sound weird because a lot of people think he's he's a weirdo, but I like I would I could hang out with Matthew McConaughey. That's that would be my guy. Um, he's uh, he's he lives in Austin, Texas. Yeah, and so I've met Matt. I met Matt one time at a at a at a bar at the Ritz many many years ago in downtown Boston, and uh, and we had a good conversation. Um, he he attended. He attends most of all the uh, University of Texas football games, and I, I was in a very uh, kind of famous football game when I played at Colorado. And he was uh, uh, he, he was at the game and on the sideline, in, in which we won on a last second field goal my senior year. And so we had a, we had a good uh, interaction there. I think it might be Matthew McConaughey. I'd say yeah. you know, there's just some I, I can get down with that guy. And so I think uh, he would be a fun guy. Now he might be full of shit and a lot of this stuff. But- <laughs> But he thinks on a level, uh, you know, he thinks in ways that I can kind of get down with. So I'd probably say I think I'd have fun with Mr. All right, all right, all right, Matt McConaughey. That would be my guy. That's a great answer. Uh, he's always on. They always have him on one at least once a year on game day. Yep. And uh, and he's awesome when he's on there because he yep. knows college football. He knows he's not just reading a script that somebody wrote for him. And uh, he's out in the field uh, before the Texas-Oklahoma game the other day. And – uh, talking with the head coach, uh, Sarkeesian, and he's he's a likable guy. I think he that's is. a great choice. And so I, a role for him, Ted. You know, or any favorite roles that you've seen him in? What so so so, Bob? I, I I went up to him and I and I and I and I can't I I um I just commented and 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 really thought he did a phenomenal job and told him as much uh, in the role of We Are Marshall. When he was the head football, uh, he played the head football coach of uh, who you know who took over for the the Marshall you know University football team after the plane crash that killed all you know the entire you know the whole team except for a few guys and their coaching staff. And I, I just I, you know he's he's been uh, he's been in so many great movies and had so many uh, great uh, you know roles, but 
there was something about that role. He won me over with how he did in that role. And so I told him that. And, and so, and he appreciated that, but uh, I thought that was one of the better roles he's had is just playing that coach that had to take over for cool. uh, a university that was, that was heartbroken uh, after such a tragic event. You know, um, I went to your dad's uh, barbecue place, one of the Super Bowls. Um, yeah. It's off the beaten path. You know, We all did. We all did that trip. <laughs> we all thought we had an exclusive, but we all went there. And we got a, one, of the, one of the best meals I ever had. I thought we, I said, okay, let's go in there. Let's make some shots. Let's talk to your dad. And we got we to hightail it back to 11 o'clock news. Well, we wound up doing the 11 o'clock news from there because we kept eating and eating and eating more cornbread, more ribs. And it was spectacular. It was awesome. Yeah, thanks, Mike and Bob. Yeah, no, those uh, senior, they had that barbecue restaurant for 35 years. They sold it a few years ago, but uh, the Rib Tickler is uh, was the name of it. And the people, that's right. That's right. Yep. And the people of Tomball, Texas, uh, is, you know, a town not far from uh, Houston. Uh, you know, it, it's it's uh, with with without traffic, it's not that far. But um, and and the people of Tomball treated my family so great. It's still there. It's owned by a younger young couple who kept the name. And most of the recipes, so even though you won't see my dad, uh, he pretty much has a free reign to go in and out if he wants any time. But uh, they, they, they they sold that to a, a great uh, young family who, who's doing a great, terrific job with it. But I appreciate you bringing that up. That was a – my dad absolutely loved uh, hosting you guys. You know, when we played, we played the Super Bowl there in 2003, 2004 season in, against the Carolina Panthers. Um my dad, uh, aka also, you know, senior, because I'm a junior. We're, uh, you know, same name. He, uh, he, he, he got a lot of business from that, so he appreciated <laughs> y'all's support for uh, definitely for sure. I'll never forget that. That's Super Bowl. Is, we were driving for an hour and a half. At yeah. some point, we were still in Houston. <laughs> it's it's Houston is the biggest city you will ever. It's the cement jungle. And it's there's traffic everywhere, and it's you will be driving in Houston before you get out of the city limits. It will take you a long time, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> All right, sure. seventy-two to three was the score in the last two games that uh, this quarterback presided over and this coach presided over. You, I'd say you, your natural reaction is to change the quarterback, but what are you going to do? I mean, what difference would it make? <laughs> It, it, it doesn't seem like that much, right, Bob? Because, I mean, you've seen Zappi come in and, and mop up duty, and he hasn't done a very good job, uh, you know, at all. So, and here's a kid that you you put on waivers that you you basically told the world that you didn't want. And so, you know, it, it's like you can go with Bailey's, Bailey Zappi if you want and start him, but it feels like you've almost shot his confidence too. I mean, it doesn't seem like he's playing with any real confidence either, and it doesn't look like much better when he when he gets in there. I, I, you know, here's how I look at the the quarterback. If 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 they were to go to Bailey Zappi, I just think, what, the, considering what's already happened to Bailey Zappi, meaning he was already released, um, and I feel like, and maybe you guys feel differently, but like when you saw Bailey Zappi come into these games in relief for Mac the last few games, were you excited to see him? I wasn't because I thought, well, they don't really want him out there anyway. So, you know, if, if, you know, whatever he plays, it's, it, it doesn't feel like he's going to be their guy anyway. So what's the point? And I, and I guess I just feel like if you, if you take Mac out now and you don't start him now, then I think if you put Mac back in, eventually 
everyone's going to look at Mac like we do with Bailey now, which is, well, you don't you don't want him anyway. So what's why are you putting him back out there? It's so I think you got to love the one you're with. I really do. I think Mac's got a it's like that song. That's a pretty good song title. Yeah, you do. <laughs> and so you got to love the one you're with, buddy. And that's and to me, Mac's got to he's got to win his team over. He's he's lost. Let's face it. I think he's lost the coaches, but I'm starting to think he's losing his teammates. And it's just like in the movie Gladiator. You know, you win the crowd, you win your freedom. You got to win your teammates over. You get your Max got to get his teammates back on board. And it's it's how he approaches practice this week. And don't you know? You practice. You know, he's got to not turn the ball over, but his attitude has got to change a little bit. I'd like to hear him be a little bit more accountable in his post game. Fall on the sword a little bit more. Show that it's you know that you are really trying to do uh, more to get yourself ready, as opposed to using we got to play better. The team's got to do this. The team's got to do this. I like a little bit when it's going bad. A little bit more I I I. When things are going good, I want to hear team. When things are going bad, I want to hear a little bit more I I I from the quarterback position. And he's got to get these guys back on his side if he's going to have a chance. Because if guys aren't playing hard for Mac, it's going to show. And I think. You can look at it. There might be evidence in the offensive line's effort, maybe in some of the receivers' effort, um, that I wonder if they're playing, you know, if they're fighting and scratching and clawing as hard as they can for their quarterback. I question that, guys. I really do. Let me ask you this. In the quarter, in the in the linebacker room, you're, you're the linebacker coach of an opposing team playing the Patriots. Do you see a guy who telegraphs everything? Do you see a guy who has fear in, in, in his eyes? Do you see a guy who has no mobility and a guy who doesn't protect the football? What do you tell your linebackers when they're playing against Mac Jones this week? Get him early, Mike. We're going to get him early. We're going to get him early. We're going to get him. We're going to speed up his body clock. We are going to pressure the hell out of him. We're going to be sending A-gap, A-gap blitzes. We're going to be doing stunts to get up through the A-gap. We're going to get him off the spot early. We're not going to sit back and, and see how they do and play conservative. You're going to attack. And you're going to get his body clock sped up because he has a very difficult time slowing it down once it's been sped up, right? And so uh, once he feels pressure early in the game, you've seen it uh, numerous times in the last two games, the Jets games, the Dallas game, uh, the Saints game, pressure gets to him early, then he's he pretty much can't calm it down the rest of the way. And so I, I would, whew, I mean, it was this for a defense. I got to be honest. This is, you, you love playing a team like the Patriots right now. Um, you can just tell there's the buy-in's very low. The quarterback's got a crisis of confidence. His inability to make plays off script, we, we can see it. It's terrible. And so everything's got to be just perfect for him to execute. And so we're going to mess up that execution. We're going to get up on the uh, wide receivers. And we're going to jam them at the line so that they don't no you know, no quick uh, reads for the quarterback. And we're just going to pressure right up the middle. And teams are playing man-to-man coverage against him because the, the wide receivers can't beat man-to-man. And they are forcing the ball to go outside the numbers. And Mac, he doesn't have a good enough arm, you guys, to throw consistently outside the numbers. And the coverages these teams are playing with man-to-man, single high safety, and they have sometimes a rat in the middle of the field to take away crossers, so Max got nowhere to go with the ball quick. That's the formula, and it, teams teams know the script now. Why um, aren't you coaching? <laughs> huh? 
Why are you not coaching? Oh, dude, I, you know, Bob, are you kidding me? Have you seen how those coaches? It's it doesn't fit my lifestyle needs. I, you know, I I, I don't do well with stress and and the grind and, um, you know, it's I I got all the answers sitting here in my ivory tower. But <laughs> it'd be a lot harder to probably do it. But you know what? If if Boston College called for a linebackers coach, I could do as long as I didn't have to move. My kids live here. I just don't want to get fired every three years and and uh, have to have to live some nomadic lifestyle. So. Um, coaching, unfortunately, requires you to do that if you want to, you know, stay in it for a long time. Let me ask you this. Uh, after the Patriots beat the Jets, uh, that was just survival of the, the, the least bad quarterback. Um, no. You felt as bad for Zach Wilson as you did for Mac Jones. Right now, would you trade Mac Jones? Don't ask this question. Don't Wilson? ask this question. Huh? <laughs> would you? Kidding. <laughs> would you would you trade Mac Jones for Zach Wilson straight up? Uh, right now, boy, I uh, that's a good question because I they may, may, they're both so flawed, Mike. Yeah. Um, it, 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 you know, it's it, it, if you were to ask me before the season, I would say no way. And and it, you know, but you see what Zach, you know, you see what he did against the 49ers. You see what he did last week. You go okay. Yeah, and I, so they both have attitude problems, but I will say, I probably have to go with the guy with the, the with the more physical talent. Um, even though he can make some horrible decisions and tries to do too much, that being Zach Wilson, it just looks like there's more upside. And I, I think I've seen enough from Mac to know kind of what he is, and so. If wow, this 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 is this is this isn't the you know an easy question, but I probably at the end of the day, uh, right now, now that you're asking me, Mike, I probably have to go roll with uh, Zach Wilson, just wow. because from an emotional standpoint, I think he's done a halfway decent job of handling what how he's been playing, how people look at him, um, and he's starting to come around. You know, you give him a little confidence, and you're starting to see him play better. So. Um, I, I might have to uh, lean on the Zach Wilson before uh, back, and I n- never thought I would have said that before the season started. I know, I know. Ted, how important do you think Belichick's reputation is how, to him? How I mean, his reputation is in mortal danger right now. How it's, important is his reputation to him? I know the Shula thing's one thing; that's a history book thing, and yeah. But how his reputation is? You know, we all know what reputation is. And how easy it is to lose it. And it's, I think he covets it uh, that more above all else. I, that's what I think. I think his reputation is more important than anything in the world to him and how people view him. Um, you know, he's, he, he loves being, you know, considered the best to ever do it and all that comes with it. You can see him. I mean, you know, he's, he loves the adulation and the and the glory and the uh, all that comes with being you know thought of as as the best head coach to ever coach the game because that's his life that's his life and he sees himself through the prism of football and how people view him as a football coach and so his reputation as a football coach is without question in my opinion more important than anything in his world to him and so it is that reputation is under attack he is under siege right now, and he is doesn't he can't control the narrative like he's always he's always wanted to control 
what you think of him, Bob, what you think of him, Mike, what I, you know, maybe not what us, <laughs> maybe not exactly what, but you know what I mean? The masses, he's always trying to control the narrative and what people are saying about him and shaping what, you know, uh, events so that it makes him look good. That's he's obsessed with that. Okay. Obsessed. I got it. That's a, it's a great answer. Uh, I have a question for both of you under those under that guise of being obsessed with your reputation, pretend each one of you, pretend you're Bill Belichick right now. And I'm going to say, Bill, talk about your reputation. How do you account for the fact that you have a losing record for every team you've played for without Tom Brady? How do you answer that question, Bill, if you're so worried about your reputation? Yeah. Now, I hear, you know, I hear that argument all the time. We all hear it all the time. The guy's got a losing record every place he's coached without Tom Brady. And, and you know, it's not almost an unfair cop, but that's what the argument is. Okay, Bill, mm-hmm. what do you, how do you answer that, Bill? Well, I'd love, I'd love for him to, to have to answer that. I mean, it's cause I don't, I don't know what he would say. I mean, he, you know, he, he, he said, we're on to Cincinnati. That's yeah. What, I mean, shoot. He, he would, you know, it's, I would, I would love for him to have to answer that question, but it's, you know, you know, you know what made, you know, what made like why Tom was so important to, to Bill. It's not just that he was a great quarterback and the best ever play at that position. It was, it was that Tom represented like the best player on Belichick's team took his crappy deals, took his hard coaching, uh, took his his sometimes his abuse of power because Bill can abuse his power um, all the time with players and take it and take it and take it and still show up and still buy in and still uh, put on a happy face and represent the organization uh, the way Bill wants him to represent and be the the team player even though he's getting paid well below market value contracts even though he's being treated like everyone else tom was addicted to the winning and all the things that came with winning so he put up with that when the best player on your team is treated that way everyone else falls in line it's like well tom brady's not taking he's not even a top 10 highest paid quarterbacks in the league why should i even though you're a top you know, the top five of a linebacker, why should I pay you that when Tom doesn't do that? And if you really, if you cared about winning, you would sign this deal. And so Tom being on the team and accepting those crappy deals and accepting that hard coaching and dealing with Bill in a way that is, is something it's very difficult for people to deal with. He set the tone, the ecosystem that I call when Tom was here, it worked because the best player on the team would would shovel dog shit for Bill. And so everyone else did too because everyone wants to win. And you knew with Tom as your quarterback. But Tom validated Bill's perception. Bill Tom validated what Bill felt was the coach player relationship. Correct. Yes, sir. No, sir. Whatever you say, sir. Uh you this is what you think I'm worth. Okay. I won't ask for a penny more, sir. Uh you know, chain of command, all that well, you Bill know, felt empowered by having Tom on his team. Oh yeah. Yep. And when the best players is, is, uh, is, ta- you know, taking what you're selling, then you have 
what you had for 20 years, which is everyone's going to buy in when the best player does. And you take that player out of the ecosystem. Who's that guy now? You know, he was hoping it's he would like be back to Phil session for crying out loud. Yeah, this is good. But, but that's Bill's that's it's a study in psychology. Really? It's that's it's, you know, cause he's got such a, uh, you know, personality, you know, that is so like different than any other coaches that it's, it's hard after not to kind of go that way, Bob. Right. I mean, and look at him from a psychological standpoint, I mean, you look at Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, look at that relationship. It's, it's, I mean, it's an awesome relationship. Have you ever, have you ever met Andy Reid? He's awesome. But it's a world of difference. It's a, isn't it? It's a world of difference. And you know what? Look, I, you know what I would want to do? I'd want to play hard for him. You know, like Parcells. Like Parcells, I'll, I'll be honest, Parcells didn't have the mind, the football acumen that Belichick had. But, boy, did you want to play hard for him. You know, you, you, you would, you would, I would run through a wall for him because he had, an, he had an emotional investment in his player. Like, football's hard, man. It's just physically and it's draining and it's like 90% thankless hard work and, and, and just like, you know, thankless work for 10% reward. And that 10% reward is, is intoxicating. It's like it's a rush when you have a good game and you're, you know, you, 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 you have success. It makes all that other stuff worth it. But if you don't get that, that little bit of reward at the end for all that work, it makes it very difficult to come to work uh, every single day and put up with uh, put up with that. You know, it's not easy. Why didn't Robert Kraft see that in Parcells? Well, you know, but you know, because but because Parcells wasn't playing playing ball, right? <laughs> you know, Mike, you know, you Mike might have a better answer. I mean, I think, you know, I, I don't know. You just, you know, like you, Robert wanted to take his football team to a, you know, to. A, he wanted to be something more than just, you know, play guys playing football. He wanted to guy, turn guys into, you know, business partners and, 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 and get them involved in other things. And Parcells didn't like that, uh, that Kraft wanted that for his football team. And so you had the breakup, you know. You got to let him buy the groceries. Yeah. Yeah. One of the great lines of all time. It is. One of the great, great lines of all time. So as Bill – uh, now I remember, like when they when they won the Super Bowl when they were 0 2. I want to say it was in Houston. Actually, you guys were in Houston. That's when um, Belichick came out and uh, flipped the bird to uh, um, what's his name, linebacker uh, from Denver, ja Jackson, Tom Jackson. Remember? Oh yeah. After the game, because he he said right around at this stage of the season that Belichick had lost the locker room. Mm -hmm. He lost the team, and Belichick never forgot forgot that. Oh. Totally. So are we are we at that stage yet? Are we very very close, or or have we gone past it? I think we've gone past it. You know, um, I think we've gone past it. And so, uh, and 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 you know, the thing that 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 Tom Jackson, he wasn't wrong. <laughs> he wasn't wrong. He just the problem is when you start winning, it, it may it makes Tom Jackson look silly, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, what does he know? He, but if we were gonna if we we continued on the losing path. Tom Jackson would have been absolutely right. It, it just changed for us right then and there. I mean, we were, started 0-2, and then we were 1-3, and and then, we, then we started winning. You know, Tom comes in, and so now, okay. But if Tom doesn't come in, maybe perhaps Tom Jackson, what he said was absolutely 100% correct. But, uh, you know, fast-forwarding to now, Mike, you know, you know, there's 
here's the thing. The, the makeup of this roster, you know, the guys that were on that 0-1 team that started off 0-2 that Tom Jackson was talking about, there's Hall of Famers on that team. There were legit pillars on that defense and even on that offense with, with you know, you know, I know, I know Bledsoe wasn't, you know, he got beat out by Tom, but, you know, Troy Brown uh, was, was on that side. And then all this, all the stalwarts we had on defense, um, there were seven guys on that 2001 team that were on that 96 team that went to the Super Bowl. So there was a good foundation of players on that team. What does this year's team have? This year's, I mean, <clears throat> Belichick can't re- they they draft a guy, they don't re-sign him. I mean, the last guy they signed to a, a second contract that they drafted in recent years is Jake Bailey, the punter, and then he got cut not even a year into that second contract. So the point is, there's no carryover, there's no foundation, there's no core, um, and there's no one carrying the flag for Bill. Like, you know, it's like, come on, you know, Bill knows what he's – hey, Bill's a good coach, trust me, come on. And everybody's like, yeah, whatever, sorry. No offense to Matthew Slater, but Matthew Slater plays is a gunner. You know, no offense to David Andrews, but he's a center. And no offense to Hunter Henry, who's all these guys that they put out there to talk to the media. Hunter Henry got here, you know, a couple of years ago and was paid a lot of money to, you know, no offense to Dietrich Weiss. Okay, I'm sure he's a great guy, good player, but he's a backup defensive tackle and he's your captain. So those are the guys that are holding it up. And no offense to those guys, but it's not the same as it was when I was playing and we were going through uh, issues, it was, it's totally different. And so the makeup of this team, you got a lot of hired, you know, independent contractors, hired mercenaries that weren't here in the past. Don't have that championship pedigree. Don't care. They weren't here when Bill Belichick was in his heyday. And so you, you don't have guys that are buying into the Patriot way, you know, buying into what Bill wants. Um, it's like guys are coming in here and let me get my money and get the hell out of here. And that's that's what you see on this team. And you can't win consistently um, when you have the roster construction the way it is. Guys aren't staying here very long. Guys aren't signing second contracts. Guys aren't doing hometown discounts anymore. Um, and you have to go, you know, you have to go out and get guys in free agency. And the only reason you'll get them is because you paid more than anybody else would. That doesn't make for a, a, a real team uh in my opinion what what kind of relationship do ex ex players have with bill belichick in general i know your situation but let's just say in general what, what uh, is there a relationship between ex players and bill belichick not that i know of i'll be honest with you not that i don't i don't know you see adam Vinatieri coming back here and giving hugs to you yeah i know right no um i don't and so look i think the relationship that guys have with, with Bill, it's really guys want to have guys want to have a relationship with the Patriots. You know, um, guys want to be invited back. Guys want to be invited, you know, behind the velvet rope, so to speak. And so a lot of guys, I don't think you hear you don't hear you don't hear an unfiltered commentary or real thoughts from a lot of former players. I'll be honest. Um, they're they're scared. Uh, what of uh, what they'll say and uh, and the Patriots do a great job of hey look if you say anything bad about us you don't get invited back you don't get uh, you don't get any perks for being a former player and and get tickets to games or are brought back to, to be celebrated and so guys know that and so they're terrified to really say I think honestly what the, how they really feel because 
they still want to feel like they can come back at any time and not have any problems. And so if you're critical of Bill, because here's the thing, at the end of the day, guys, Bill Belichick thinks he is the Patriots. He's not an employee of the Patriots. He's not just a guy you hire to coach the team. In Bill's mind, he is the Patriots. Like, you know, it's and, – and that's – and so if you go against Bill, you're going against the Patriots. And you say anything wrong about Bill, it's – it's you will find out that he is the Patriots. That's how he's created it. That's what he's always wanted. You know, that's why I always laughed. I, was, I just couldn't leave it. Like, uh, Bill wants to leave here with it better than when he found it. And so he wants to have a succession plan with his guys. What? Like, are you kidding me? Like – that, that's ridiculous. I mean, so Robert Kraft basically has given this power to Bill. And Bill, in his mind, at least, thinks he is the Patriots. Um, and so that's the scary thing. So guys are terrified of saying really what they really think um, because of, of the fact that you won't be allowed to come back. You won't be invited. You won't be welcomed back. And so I don't think any relationship that Bill has with former players is superficial in, anyway. And, and it's and it's beneficial you know, mutually beneficial, really. It's a, it's more of a, you know, a professional relationship than it is a, of any real relationship. And, you know, I made comments when I retired that I, you know, it's, I, it, 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 I just, I felt strongly then. And I, and I, I'm not saying, I don't think I feel that much different now is that, you know, when Bill goes into the hall of fame, how many of his former players are going to be there to watch him go in? You know, like okay. if, they, if they're there, they're probably getting paid. I can't imagine a lot of guys really wanting to go and uh, and support that. That to me would be an indication of how guys really felt about Bill. Wow. Let me get the. Let me think of one of our sponsors here, the great George Gray. You know, if you're thinking about a new car, go with Lovie and Lynchy. Go, go see our good friend George Gray, the big wheel at George Gray's Lexington Toyota. We've been customers for years because we know that George Gray will treat you right. He'll treat you better than maybe some people in the Patriots will. They're a family-owned and operated dealership that Lobie and I trust, and you can trust as well. Go see the big wheel, the great George Gray at Lexington Toyota, 409 Mass Ave in Lexington. George is a big, big sports fan. He'll probably talk as much about your oil change as you will about the uh, record of the Patriots and what kind of year the Bruins and Celtics are going to have. But uh, you will not go wrong going to George Gray's Lexington Toyota. Best well, service available, best around. Anyway, Ted, you did a, you've done a fantastic job today. I'm really glad we were able to have you on. Are you kidding me? Uh, my my girlfriend's in the next room. I said I'm on with a couple of legends, Michael Lynch and Bob Bell, and she couldn't she couldn't believe it. Um, you guys are are because yeah, right, she said, "Who are those guys?" That's why she couldn't believe it. Are you kidding? Why um, would you waste your time with them, Ted? <laughs> not 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 the case. She was like she thought it was awesome. The point is. You guys are awesome, and I've always enjoyed, you know, uh, you guys covering me. And you're you're one you're just you're good dudes in the business, and I can't say that for everybody. So, if you ever need me, you call me. I'm always happy to come on with you guys. Well, you're great. I, I, you and I have had a special relationship over the years, and I've really okay. enjoyed it and learned from it. And uh, I don't I think I've learned as much as I learned today. That's today was a, today was a, a a damn good college classroom session for me. Well, you guys, you guys will bring it out of me, you know. It's so you guys just opened me up, open my. I was just, I was pouring it all out to you guys, and I, I wanted to do that with you guys, and so I just think you guys are the best. And there's my girlfriend over there. Hey, what's her name? Bring her in. <laughs> yeah, she's a, 
She's she's impressed with you guys. So camera uh. shy. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. So if, yeah. is, that, now, is that a middle Middlebury sweatshirt? It is. It is. I'm uh, I'm excited to say. I'm very proud to say uh, that my son Charlie, who's a senior in high school, uh, is committed to play soccer at Middlebury next year. Cool. Wow. So, well, I'm very proud of them. Um, it's a tremendous school. Um, you guys, I'm sure you know about sure. it. Yeah. The kid's got a brain on him. He's a big brain on my son, Charlie. And so he's <laughs> going to go, uh, go, go, uh, you know, be a great student and then to play, uh, play soccer up there. And, and I, and great I, great school. To- it's great school, great state. Yep. 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 Awesome. Well, Good Ted, job. thanks so much. Ted Johnson, uh, boy, you, you're definitely going to, uh, we would love to call you back. Come on sometime. Anytime, Sounds guys. Good. Good to see you, Mike, Bob. All right, TJ, we'll be in touch. Thanks. Don't forget to follow us on unanchoredboston.com. Unanchored Boston is a presentation of Unanchored Media, a Burke Advertising LLC company. For show information, visit unanchoredboston.com.